This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. This is an old hymn from the 1700s that originated in the southern Appalachian Mountains, and it speaks of a Christian who is brokenhearted and struggling with life in a fallen world. The writer of this song tells of crossing over Jordan, which we often associate with death, but in Deuteronomy, crossing the Jordan is a turning point on the way to freedom. This hymn resonated with the Appalachian people for whom life was very hard and early death was common. God impressed upon me this week that the breakdown of spirituality always begins with the breakdown of spiritual discipline. And the Christian in this song recognizes this. He realizes that we should always seek God, even through grief and pain. For we know our God is faithful, and we know what waits for us in heaven. Psalm 34.18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit.
I want to sing salvation story in concert with the blood wash band. I want to wear a crown of glory when I get home to that good I'll soon be free from every trial. This form shall rest beneath the sod. I'll drop the cross of self denial and enter into.
Hello. <clears throat> Where's Jim? Uh, the Keith Green song that you played uh, was died in August of 82, I think. Um, <clears throat> that summer, Keith Green uh, took the summer off and he planned on doing a tour. I think it was August or September of 82. And he, as you know, he died in a plane crash. <clears throat> and his very first concert that he was going to do was in Portland, Oregon with the second chapter of Acts. And guess what teenager was there that day? I was. 1982. That's 40 years to the month, I think. And I was thinking about this. I was 14 or 15, and I'm in the Portland Coliseum, and the second chapter of Acts was there, and I was too young and immature to understand what that meant, that Keith Green had passed away in a plane crash, because I was just a kid. And when I got in there, the second chapter of Acts decided that they're going to go ahead with their concert, and revival sprung out in that stadium. And here I am just standing there with thousands of people in this worship experience with revival spreading out throughout this whole stadium. And they decided to continue their, their tour, the second chapter of Acts. And I was just reflecting on that, that that captured me for life, being in revival captured me for life and Keith Green's story captured me for life is a man dedicated to the word of God and he spoke victory he talked about taking dominion of culture and he hit home with a lot of his songs but I was just thinking about this that that's 40 years to the month I think that I was there as a kid but uh, you know today's teaching is a little bit about that about having a biblical mindset I got my worn-out little Bible because I left my other one. But a vision of victory, as, it, as the Scripture says, that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. And Daniel chapter 7 says that the Son of Man was presented before the Ancient of Days, and it said he was given the kingdom, and it will last forever and ever and ever. And Christ rules and reigns right now. God wants us to have a biblical mindset, a mindset on the scriptures, not on the world. And so I, uh, with opening verse of 2 Corinthians 10, 5, he says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself self up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So we have to guard our thoughts to have a biblical view of life, a victorious life. We have crown rights that were given to us at the cross 2,000 years ago. And it's important to think that way. It's exciting that you sang that song about Keith Green. So let's pray. Jesus Christ, you say in the Psalms, kiss the son, kiss the king while you still can, that you are utterly sovereign over this earth. It says in Genesis chapter 1 that it is good over and over again. The things that you've created are good. And you have placed us here as your bride. We are the bride of Christ. We are sons of God. We are the body of Christ. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You sealed us with your Holy Spirit. 
And you want us to advance against the kingdom of darkness. The world, the flesh, and the devil do not win against your perfect plan. You are the one, Jesus Christ, that was worthy to open up the scrolls in the book of Revelation. And John cried when he found no one worthy until the angel said, the lamb is worthy to open up the scrolls. He is worthy of praise, glory, wisdom, might, honor, all good things. Christ deserves all the glory. I ask you, Jesus, to speak through me as we go over this teaching about Jairus. I ask you, you said that your word, when I go out, it will not return void. I ask you for that blessing here today, that you would be the teacher today. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's really important to, to watch your thoughts and your mindset and how you think about things. Consider the study that was done at Harvard in 2007 where they decided to take 84 hotel maids and they asked them, do you think that your job is very uh, significant? And most of them said, no, I don't think so at all. That what I, what I do doesn't matter, statistically is what they said. And... Uh, they asked him, well, do you realize all the work that you're doing as a hotel maid, you know, you're, you're, it's backbreaking work and you're, the things that you're doing. Do you think that you're getting exercise? And the majority of them said, no, I don't think we're getting exercise at all. So what they did is they split up the maids and with one group they put posters on the wall in the motel showing them that when you do this activity, you're burning this many calories. And when you do uh, working in the in the rooms, changing the beds, you're burning this many calories, that actually it is a physically difficult job to do. And with the other control group, they didn't do that. So after a month or two, they took them and they measured their, their body fat, their blood pressure, their weight and body mass, and they found that the maids in the first group all lost weight. Uh, they had a 10% reduction in blood pressure, but the second group had, saw no changes. Now, how's that possible? It's because by putting posters up all over the place, it's really speaking life to them that what they do does matter. And they spontaneously responded by losing weight. And their self-esteem and all sorts of stuff happened uh, for them. I think this is a secular illustration for, for us as well. Because our culture is, there's just depression everywhere, isn't there? There's anxiety. There's discouragement everywhere. And I think this, this is designed this way with uh, the news media. We have to be careful our intake of the news because it's designed to bring you down. That's not what the Word says at all. Not at all. Uh, applying this, by the way, if you want to read this study, here it is. It's really boring. Have fun. <laughs> it's right here if you want it. I figured someone would want it. Uh, applying that to myself, several years ago, I read an article on Police One magazine. It's an online training thing for police officers, and it talked about how important it is to begin your shift being positive, to put on your positive body armor. I read that, and it was another life-changing thing for me because it was important that, it, you know, when you, when you look at a rookie, he's first starting out on the streets. He is, wants to get the bad guy. He wants to make a difference. And he goes out there with, with enthusiasm. But in time, you get jaded. 
the, the just seeing difficult things starts to wear you down. And within five to ten years, most police officers are they're they're really worn out. <clears throat> and so this is important. To, it's Hebrews three thirteen. It says, "Be careful about the deceitfulness of sin. Don't let it get you." And so. But after reading that, I learned that every day I'm going to choose to enjoy my job. I choose to put a positive spin on everything that I do. I choose to survive and come home another day. Well, when we were doing some training in front of the SWAT vehicle, they call it a Bearcat, big armored thing, the instructor took a liter liter bottle like this and filled it up with water and put several packets of cherry Kool-Aid in it. And it looked like looked like blood. And he took that in front of all of us and he said, look at this. He opens up the cap and he pours it out in front of all of us and he makes it go a really long time. And he says, this is how much blood that you can lose and you will not die. You will not die. So get up and live and fight. Go home that day to your families. Make a difference. Don't quit. Stay in the game. The people need you. You will live. When, you, when I saw that pour out, it looked like, and there's no way you could survive something like that. But I thought, what an application for us too. What a profound application. As I speak to you, the word says, if I pour you, pour you out, you will live. Live. Get up. Do it again. Another day. Don't stop. You owe it to your children. You owe it to your family. You owe it to the people that you know, the social circle that you have, to take courage to go at it another day. Choose every day. I will live. Um, and the same is true as you get older. The, you have a lot of life left in you. Don't quit. Keep going to the very end, one day at a time. Don't stop. Now, and this decade is the decade where I started getting the silver stuff here. I lost the hair a long time ago, but I got the silver stuff now. And uh, I, I look at life like my mind is in, the, in my 20s. I definitely do. That we, that there's a lot to do. There's a lot to do. I owe it to my children, my grandchildren, and so forth. Do you struggle with depression or discouragement or anxiety? What's the antidote to that? The victorious word of God, what the word says. I want you to think about my wife who's sitting right over here, Rhonda. Her father spoke life into her every day of her life. You can do this. You can, you can get this done all the time. She is something else. I say, Rhonda could be on the White House crisis intervention team. She's something else. She's shaking her head. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. She's something else. Well, why is that? Because her father spoke victory into her all the time, spoke victory into her. So uh, let's turn in our Bibles to Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. And I want to show, illustrate this with the life of Jairus, Jairus, Jairus. And how um, Jairus, when Jesus came to him and says, don't be afraid, just believe, how this illustrates having a good mindset. 
Mark chapter 5, verses 21. It says, When Jesus again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was at the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, or Jairus, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Well, the Jewish leaders... He's a synagogue leader, hated Jesus, and considered him a threat to their leadership, a false prophet, heretical, an illegitimate son, and therefore disqualified. They hated his rule by breaking the Sabbath, by healing people. What a ridiculous thing to hate him for. But uh, he went to him anyways. He was desperate, desperate. I'll illustrate it with something that happened to Lindsay many years ago. When she was a little girl, she's running down the hallway and cut her head on the on the wall so i'm working that day and i hear out on the radio we have an ems call at my house 878 four acre road i still remember it and i said what that's my house and i and what had happened was when she got this my wife called dispatch and said um is patrick on duty where is he on duty because i need him to come home because Lindsay put a you know like a one inch gash on her forehead well the dispatch took care of me and started sending everybody there. <laughs> and so did I. I'm in a police car, and I made sure I went there quickly, too. And with the anxiety that was pumping through my veins, I was prepared to get on the radio and dispatch whatever amount of equipment I needed to get there, even if it was a helicopter, I could get it there to get to my girl. And when I got there, I got on the ambulance and took her to the hospital, and she was fine. But I think this is the same thing. I, I was desperate. I wanted to get home. I wanted to see my girl. What's wrong with Lindsay? This is Jairus. My, her, his 12-year-old daughter is sick and dying. He is desperate. He will move heaven and earth to get to her. I would say for Jairus would probably, who cares about his traditions, who cares about the Pharisees, who cares about that, and he probably saw Jesus and knew that there's something distinctively and different about him above any other man in the whole world. And if we saw Jesus, we would, we would know the same thing. He needed help. His cry was desperate. He's about to lose the most precious thing to him. He fell at Jesus' feet. He was desperate. Now, continuing in verse 24. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see, the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. This woman had a belief that Jesus Christ was the only person 
on the planet that could provide relief from her suffering. She knew he is the only one that can help me. He's it. And Jesus says, your faith has healed you. Your trust in me. While this is going on, Jairus is seeing this. Jairus is seeing this, watching this happen. Don't you think that would quicken his heart even more seeing this, seeing this positive healing happen right in front of him? It would. I have even more hope that my daughter will be healed. Would it discourage him or encourage him? It encouraged him. Verse 35. While Jesus was speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead. They said, why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told them, don't be afraid. Just believe. It's like he's saying, don't listen to that. Don't do that. Don't listen to these naysayers, the mockers, the negative, the one that just give you the cold, hard truth. Don't listen to that. Um, One moment he witnesses a great healing and next is brought to discouragement by bad news. Uh, Not very helpful. God commands us over and over again to not be afraid, but just to believe. He does. Okay, you've heard the phrase, faith comes by hearing, obviously, in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. I'll read it to you. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ, Romans 10, 17. That message is the gospel, obviously. It's the gospel um, that Christ died on the cross for their sins, that they can provide propitiation and atonement and satisfaction for their sins. Um, but there's more to it than that. It's also about who Christ is and everything about him, the message about who he is and what he's accomplished, everything about him. Faith comes from hearing the message of the gospel, the good news, and also the word about Christ. Acts chapter 4, verse 12 says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Acts 4.12. Over and over again in the Gospels, Jesus heard saying things like this, your faith has made you well. Only believe, the righteous shall live by faith. But he also says over and over again to not be afraid. I went and counted over 40 times in the Gospels and the epistles throughout the New Testament where he says, don't be alarmed, be anxious for nothing, be at peace, do not worry, do not be afraid. Do not give way to fear. 1 Peter 3, 6, write that down. Do not give way to fear. Giving way to fear means it's coming at me and I fall back and I succumb to it. Don't succumb to it. Don't give way to fear. Luke 12, 42. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your fathers have been pleased to give you the kingdom. Don't be afraid. I've given you the kingdom. The Spirit, uh, Romans 8, 15, the Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. We might have, I think it says in Hebrews chapter 1, those who all their lives have fear. I think it's Hebrews 1 or 2. We are not that way. We are born again. We, uh, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by it we cry, Abba, Father. So faith comes by hearing, and in the next slide... Uh, did you know that fear comes by hearing too? Fear comes by hearing. 
Faith comes by hearing. Fear comes by hearing. Uh, we ought to be... Jesus did not say, be scared to death, frozen in fear, and hopefully that will help you believe that I can raise Jesus' daughter from the dead. Jairus' daughter from the dead. Uh, he didn't say that, did he? He said, don't be afraid. Believe. Believe. Faith comes by hearing. Fear comes by hearing. And then there's one more. He gave courage. Courage comes by hearing. Write that down. Faith comes by hearing. Courage comes by hearing, doesn't it? Uh, Consider Barnabas in Acts 4.36. He was known as the son of encouragement. That's the guy you want to be around. If tough times come, you want to be around Barnabas. He is a cheerleader for Jesus. I like to say that. Jesus does this over and over again. Don't be afraid, but rather rejoice. Be of good cheer. I have good news. We can do it. We can make it. You'll be all right. Stay in the game. Uh, Going to uh, verse 37. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. They're saying, yeah, whatever, right. She's dead, get over it. Too late now. That's what they're saying. They don't believe that Jesus has the ability to heal. Um, You know what? I tell you what. When when you're going through tough times, that's not really uh, a good time for someone to say, buck up. You know, it isn't. I remember when... Uh, there's a time where I took a help call at a house where there was an elderly man there. He's probably born in 1905, and he's from a uh, much older generation. He was a very stately gentleman, and he was standing at the door, and he greeted me, and his wife had rolled out of bed and was falling on the ground, and he was distraught, but he did not have the ability to communicate or tell me. He just didn't have the words because here he is. You know, this is something, as a man, we, it's all, we are all about our strength. And then when we don't have it, it's really hard to lose. And it's hard for him to not, he could not even bend down to pick her up. I saw that and went right past him, just picked her up, put her in bed, covered her up, and checked her vitals. And he was just standing there uh, with such emotion, saying, thanking me that I had done that for him, which any one of us would do. That's the time there's just no words. There's no words. It's just be there. And help them and love them through this moment, right? There's just no words. That would not be a time for me to get on them about, why did you leave her laying there? Or anything like that, right? It would be, just just do it. You know, if you notice that uh, Jesus brought with him Peter, James, and John with them. Three people in agreement. Um. We need to surround ourselves with people that we're in agreement with. I am in agreement with this body right now. I'm in agreement with the leadership of this church. It's quite a neat unity that we have back there in the office. If tough times are coming, I'm going to get, let's get us together, and together we'll go do this. Three people in agreement that have the same view of the Word of God, together handling tough times. Surround yourself with people that are in agreement with I have that right now with my niece Kathy and her husband Leo and my wife and children with this body, and they cheer me on. You can do it. You can do this. You can do this. 
Uh, my niece needs to sell her house in Boise because she wants to move out here. And, of course, it's one of those exactly what happens right to the very second. And then it seems like all hope is lost, and she'll sell it. Uh, we're, Matthew 18, 19, and 20 says, Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask, for it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. His presence is with them in agreement. We need to speak life to each other. I believe in you. You're valuable. You can do it. You can make it. This is what the Word says. Go to the Word. Um, this is kind of a funny illustration, but there was a General Lewis Puller of the Korean War uh, was talking about how he was completely surrounded by the, the Koreans in the war, and he said, they're in front of us, they're behind us, and they're flanked by all sides. They can't get away from us now. I mean, that's being positive in impossible odds. That takes guts. Super positive, even in the face of possible odds. Back to the word. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. He put them out. He got the negative naysayers out of his life. This is not the time for that. Puts them out. I think that we should do the same thing. If, um, don't stand in the presence of naysayers, mockers, unbelievers, the, the moody, the downcast, the hopeless, who will discourage you. They seem to be the majority, but they're not the majority. This is what I found as an antidote for that. Go to the Word of God and quote the Word to them. This is what the Word says. Uh, if they're in the flesh, they're not going to like it and leave. It's to your good for them to leave. It's drag you down. It's, it's not, you don't need to do that. Second Corinthians one twenty. this is what the Word says. It has overwhelming good news that all the promises of God are yes in Christ Jesus. All the promises of God. We should probably do a study of that. How many promises do we see in the Scriptures? Hundreds of them probably, right? I may I'll probably do that. All the promises of God are yes in Christ Jesus, not no or maybe or mm, let me think about it or be, be afraid or none of that. It's yes in Christ Jesus. Um, now just to wrap it up, the testimony of history is that a single courageous believer with the gospel and the glory of God can affect Entire civilizations, transform communities, the environment, families, crime, culture, everything. This can happen with someone completely set apart for Christ. This can happen. I would end with this. Take courage. God has overcome the world. He wins. He's winning. You're winning. You're with him winning. We are winning. You know, faith comes by hearing. Fear comes by hearing, doesn't it? Courage comes by hearing, too. It sure does. Speak life to those around you. Surround yourself with godly believers who are in agreement with you. Reread what the Word has to say about your victories that you have in Christ Jesus right now, today, as we speak. 
And I'll end with this Psalm 92, verses 12 through 15. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will still stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there's no wickedness in him. You know, uh, God just said you'll bear fruit in your old age. I believe you'll bear fruit right up to the moment you die. All the time. You will bear fruit. You will stay fresh and green. You will... uh, It's like... um, a well-kept garden where the plants are protected from the insects, their water, there's plenty of fertilizer and pruning, that they are tasty and savory when eaten, good to the eye and pleasing. This is, Christ, this is how Christ looks at you. You are savory. You are, you are pleasing to him. You are flourishing in the courts of our God. So I will end with that, but... I feel led of the Lord to ask if there's, if we could close our eyes right now, we end in prayer here, if we close our eyes, if there's anyone here, bow your heads, that has fear, any fear issues, if you want to raise your hand and you want to see any relief from that, okay, praise the Lord, amen, okay, you can put your hands down, well, let's just go to the Lord and ask him for relief from our fears. Christ, again, I come to you as the sovereign king. You are the one that have been guarding us and watching out for us. You designed us in eternity past. You already know our path. You want the best for us. You want to bless us. Lord, deliver us right now from our fears. We give our fears to you, Lord. Your shoulders are big enough for them, Lord. We hand this over to you right now. By faith in your son. You said, do not be afraid, but only believe. So we are choosing to believe in you, and we give this to you right now. I ask you also, Lord, that you go with the saints today, throughout the day. Protect them, put a hedge around them, and bless them. May they feel peace and joy and rest in the spirit. Your favor, may they know your favor. Lord, when they testify today that you have favored them and watched out for them. Lord, I ask you again for this. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we say amen. Have a great day. Don't forget to come back at 6. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.